Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hey guys, before this episode starts, I want to talk about some pretty cool news. Oki Investigations now has its own website. It's truecrime.blog. And it is a running blog for crime stories and for this show. So if you're a true crime buff and you want to see some cool things that we gathered while researching each show, including a like timeline of events that we put together, uh, newspaper clippings, court documents, and much, much more, come check us out at truecrime.blog. One, two, three, and... Hello everyone and welcome to Oki Investigations. My name is Trevor Shelby. In this episode, we are going to discuss a couple of ghost stories that take place in the Sooner State. That's right, this week we'll be talking about truish, crimeish stories of fright, despair, and general all-around fun. <laughs> in this episode, we'll discuss what happened, why, and what's happened since. But first, if you're a first-time listener, to experience this podcast to its finest hit that subscribe button, so when we have new episodes, you will be the first to know. Then, head on over to our Facebook page. Here we can discuss the case together, and perhaps come up with our own theories on the many cases that will be featured on this show. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash Investigations. Hope you guys enjoyed my uh, maniacal laughter. I, uh, yeah... It's kind of cringy on this end. I don't know how how it came out, but <laughs> I've really enjoyed working on these short ghostly stories this week. I've been trying to find things that were reported on that may have some kind of historical significance. Uh, last week we talked about the Oklahoma Panhandle. Uh, this week we're covering a couple of stories that take place more in central Oklahoma. As a little bonus. I will be posting news articles that these stories come from on our Facebook page throughout the week. So make sure you stop by and check those out. I hope you all have had a wonderful week despite these strange times we've been living in. Last week we had a sickness scare in our household, but thankfully it wasn't what we feared it was. Besides that, it's been a pretty good week here. I'm looking forward to voting on November 3rd as well. This is about the most political you'll ever hear me get on this podcast. Get out and vote. Do it at the polls, early, mail it in, whatever. Just do it. I'm not going to tell you how to vote because we all have different priorities, viewpoints, upbringings, and that's okay. I just want this year to be one of the biggest voting turnouts in Oklahoma's recent voting history, and we can't do it without you. So get out there and do it. November 3rd. Now, for the first story here, we're going to talk about a story that takes place out in Enid, Oklahoma. We've got a few listeners out there, so I'm interested in what you guys have to say about all this. But Enid is known for a lot of things, but one of the things that I 
wasn't aware of, and it's probably because I'm not from that area, is there was an outlaw who was buried in Enid, Oklahoma. His name was Zip Wyatt. Now, Zip Wyatt also went by the name of Dick Yeager or Wild Charlie for whatever reason. And he was actually written about in the book, uh, The Cherokee Strip. It's uh, kind of a pivotal point in the book that's talked about how uh, this outlaw is in jail and he's looks like he's pretty much given up on life at this point. And it's a pretty interesting book. I definitely recommend it. Especially if you're interested in what early Oklahoma was like. Uh, for a young boy who uh, moved from his home state to participate in the land run with his family. Now, a lot of what I read about Zip is really interesting. Some say he was just a so-so bandit that uh, just his popularity grew just because of being the local bad guy, I guess. But... Some of the things I've read that he's did was actually pretty incredible. He escaped from jail twice. Uh, he escaped once, got caught, tried to escape again, and was stopped, I believe. And then he figured out another way, and he got out and made it out again. He killed a sheriff's deputy in Kansas, and... I, I believe he was with the Doolin gang for a short time during a train robbery, although that was refuted later on. But really, the main takeaway of this story is that he was buried in Enid. And he wasn't kindly buried in Enid. And historically, this is what happened. When he died his sister came and collected his personal belongings his gun his um everything that they had his clothing and stuff that he had been arrested with that he didn't already give away because apparently he gave away a few things of his own personal belongings which is questionable at best but anyways that's besides the point about being a former jailer that just raised red flags anyways so his sister comes and picks these items up. She doesn't, however, retrieve his body. And so he is given a funeral uh, by the city of Enid. And it's he was put in a pine box and put in an unmarked grave. And then later on, I guess Enid was going to build a school. And the graveyard, where the graveyard was located, it was kind of like a prime spot for the school to be so they had exhumed all these graves and moved them to another location well one grave that wasn't exhumed was zips because his grave was unmarked and they have no clue exactly where in the cemetery they had put him and remember you know you're six feet down so that's that's quite a big digging you have to do to, to find something like that so he was left so unmarked grave left at a school site then historically what i've seen is 
that school is probably no longer there because of the the streets that are given in this news article. I actually looked it up. The streets are still there. They're still named the same thing, thank goodness. And if you look at these street corners that are mentioned, it's just businesses and a beautiful housing addition on the other side. Now, this article is titled, Maybe You'll Meet Them, and was in the Enid Events. It's a Garfield County home newspaper dated February 21st, 1947. If you should meet a ghost some dark night, just as you enter on West Wabash at Highway 81, don't get upset about it. Just think what a grand opportunity it is to increase your circle of acquaintances. Why, you might be face to face with the late Dick Yeager in the, uh, protoplasm. Yeager, the most notorious bad man of Enid's early days, was laid to rest near the corner when it was the city's first burial ground. So instead of scaring your poor ghost half to life, quietly try to get his attention. Then in a friendly, normal voice, ask, How are you, Dick? If it should be the ex-Mr. Yeager, he'll probably be as glad to see you as you are to see him. He might even give you a message to Marquise James, who wrote about him so well in the Cherokee Strip. I love how this is written. I'd like to think that if I was a reporter in this time, I would have written something similar to this. Uh, this just cracks me up. I love the, so instead of scaring the poor ghost half the life, it's like you're going to scare him. Pretty funny. Now, where the grave was supposedly located, uh, if you go out to Enid, this is a beautiful beautiful area multi-story brick homes they just look gorgeous i don't want to be the person to go knock on their door and ask them about any ghostly apparitions at night but it would be interesting to know if any of them have ever seen anything suspicious in the area some pioneers place the location of the first cemetery about where Martin Gardner resides at 1002 West Wabash. Contrary to a long-lived rumor, no bones were discovered there when the house was built, according to T.F. Medford, the contractor of the house. One or two old-timers say that the old cemetery was over near the Kinzer Mansion, now the home of R.L. Sanford. The highway corner seems to be favored by majority, however. Relatives of most of these early citizens moved their remains to the Enid Cemetery when it opened in 1897. Yeager and a number of others were left. A.P. Wilcox of 1217 West Broadway, who came to Enid as an assistant postmaster nine days before the Cherokee Strip opened, says the Kinzer Edition burial ground was originally school land. Four sections in each township were set aside for school land and occasionally were leased for other purposes. So that explains why there's no school there. Uh, it appears that there was this it was allotted for the area, but maybe one was never built. 
Wilcox remembers the burial of two Chinese in the abandoned cemetery, but says their bones were later taken to China. Another early burying place mentioned by Wilcox is that of a young man named Ernest Linter. He worked for Jack Nelson at his place on the southeast corner of 16th and Market. Wilcox and his first wife, Leva Billings, were with the young man when he died, and Miss Billings' father built a casket which they lined with black cloth. The young man was buried a little bit south of the corner since 16th and Market, says Wilcox. I asked Garth Nelson the other day if he remembered hearing about the grave, and he said his parents had pointed it out to him when he was a child. I doubt that anyone but Garth and myself knows exactly where it is. But Dick Yeager, a tall, blue-eyed cowboy, is easily the most interesting occupant of the unmarked grave. In this vicinity, a drawing young man, whom Wilcox says looked like the popular conception of a Texan, Yeager, had a talent for getting into brawls. Twice he broke out of the jail at Guthrie. He and some friends killed a Kansas sheriff and a settler who got in their way en route to a hideout. Now the post goes on, kind of goes about his demise and being captured. You guys can hear all about that if you read the Cherokee Strip, which I again say it's a definitely a good read. So my question is to you fine folks out there in Enid, Oklahoma. Uh, have you seen any ghostly cowboy apparitions that kind of unexplained in the Kinzer edition area? Uh, perhaps hanging out in the street or street corner or ghostly around those beautiful homes. Let me know. Head on over to facebook.com forward slash Oki Investigations and tell me your creepy stories. From the way the story really reads, it really kind of tells me that Enid is buried on top of a lot of graves. So I've seen Poltergeist. I know exactly what happens when that happens. So yeah, I'm not moving there. Now for the other story that we're going to cover in this episode. This one takes place in Norman, Oklahoma. And this one's interesting because not only is this being reported as it happens, but the University of Oklahoma actually gets involved in this in trying to study what exactly is happening here. So the article is called Science Probes Mystery of Oklahoma's Haunted House. Now, this was in the Morning Examiner in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, dated the 28th of July, 1922. Now, I will say that this article was in many newspapers of the time, uh, right around the same time. It was all the same article, pretty much. But I wanted to be clear, it, it was in many newspapers. This is the one I pulled it from. Now, they do give an interesting picture of the home, and it's kind of, it's a normal example of a home from 1922 i would say it looks like it's just being built or uh, this is a photo of it early on from norman oklahoma july 24th can science solve the mystery of a ghostless haunted house a spooky fire home where sheets burst into flames as one gets into bed and wash rags start burning when raised to the face that's what J.L. Wagner, farmer here, says happened in his house, and members of his family bear his story. 
farmers around Norman attribute these ghostly happenings to the supernatural. But authorities are seeking scientific explanation, thus far without success. In two days, there were 12 fires, all of mysterious origin. The fire first occurred when Wagner's wife opened a closed closet. A flash of flame shot into her face. Several hours later, the roof of the house started burning. The farmer picked up a washcloth to wash his face, but the cloth began to burn. Bed sheets in flame. That night, the linen on his bed turned into a sheet of flame. The family ran out of the house. The next day, they returned. The mysterious blazes broke out anew. Sheriff W.H. Newsblock threw a guard around the place. Every person who's entered or left the house was searched. But the mystery wasn't solved. A chemist from the University of Oklahoma took a hand. He is investigating to find a liquid solution that is combustible when it dries. He hasn't found it yet, so... Farmer Wagner, still haunted by his fear that the mystery fires may start again at any time. People hereabouts are recalling the famous haunted house in Nova Scotia that had a very similar experience. Now there is a second article on this which was reported on July 12th, 1922 from the Sepulpa Herald. And they say that, uh, according to the findings from the U University of Oklahoma, was that fires might have been the result of a mixture of phosphorus and bisulfide, which I have no clue. I'm not a chemist. I don't know what any of that is, really. But, sounds interesting. I uh, wonder how that would get mixtured into all of their uh, linen but we are talking about a time when people use gasoline as, you know, cleaner. So, <laughs> one thing I will note about this, and I have no clue if there's there's any real connection here. I don't know. But I was looking up in Norman, Oklahoma. I was trying to research this house, see what more was found since these articles. And... I didn't find anything of this time, but I did find in Norman, Oklahoma, there was a Wagner home that was listed on like a state registry of historic homes. And last year in 2019, it had burned down uh, when the owner of the home was burning some leaves in the yard. Now, if this was the same home, it would be interesting that it would finally meet its demise by fire as it seemed to have wanted to do in 1922 i tried to look the home up on the registry and uh, of historic homes just to see if it was still there you know they'll probably take it off after it burned down and unfortunately it was uh, taken down uh, i'll do a little bit more digging on this one just out of my own curiosity i'll probably go back on the wayback machine to see if uh, any previous uh, documents are are found in internet history, but 
Anyways, guys, that's all I got for you today. I hope you enjoy this episode. I really have fun doing a lot of these. It's really got me thinking about a second podcast idea. Uh, but we're going to trek on. Uh, next week, we will have a special episode that will be on October 31st. Halloween for our last spooktacular episode of the uh, month. So I hope you guys are going to tune in for that one. We will see what other spooky, spectacular stories we can dig up that take place here in Oklahoma history. Perhaps we'll talk about a few uh, occurrences here in Oklahoma that also take place across the United States. But we have a few of them here in Oklahoma. We'll probably talk about some of that. Anyways, guys, I will see you guys next week. Make sure you guys subscribe to our show. It really does help us out. It tells the algorithms that people subscribe here and that uh, our show should be prominently placed when people are searching for true crime or, you know, Oklahoma history and stuff like that. So we, we get to be moved up the list a little bit. So that really helps us out in finding new listeners. I will see you guys next week. You guys have a wonderful week. See ya.